Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from juicy juxtaposition to jars of gems, and today we're talking about genies. Okay, so D&D genies, Brian. Yeah. Um, D&D genies are loosely based upon the ancient mythological beings known as jinn. Mm. Now, jinn originated from pre-Islamic Arabian folklore, and the name jinn was used to describe various supernatural entities, both malevolent or benign. Um, yeah, they were more like spirits, right? Kind of, sort of. It's complicated. Uh, but I'm leaving it here with the super simplified kind of blanket statement because... Uh, the mythology behind Jin is very complex, convoluted, and it's been changed and integrated with various cultures and religions over the course of millennia. Yeah, man. And that's not what this podcast is about. Will Smith's Aladdin, uh, the, the genie in Aladdin <laughs> <Yeah>. now. Like, <laughs> oh, over the course of millennia. And that's, that's how far we've this come. Is, this is how far we've come. Yeah. So genies in D&D are depicted as powerful, uh, rare, and legendary beings from the elemental planes. Um, there they rule from their lavish palaces as immortal nobility. They have a reputation for being mighty, proud, majestic, arrogant, and decadent. Few creatures, say for gods, dragons, or demon lords, can challenge their power. Okay. It's, it's said that a genie is born when a soul of a sentient creature melds with the primordial matter of an elemental plane. Oh, wow. Though many sentient souls do pass on on these planes, the coalescence of an elementally fused soul manifesting into a genie is still extraordinarily excuse me, rare. Yeah, that's that's kind of like uh that's some like some wizard business really like transcending into like a new form like that's uber powerful. You have like this uh <clears throat> Like this, uh, this primal energy like infusion mm-hmm. going on. So like a lich and a genie, they're very different, but like they're I don't know they're similar in that way to me. I suppose so. 
Yeah. So like they, so somebody, somebody cool as hell's got to die in like the not necessarily. Like well, I mean, you could, you could uh, homebrew it that yeah, specifically it's powerful souls. Um, it's not really stated. Um, it, the 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 concept is that it's extraordinarily rare and no one really knows how it works. But regardless of what kind of soul becomes a genie, a genie almost never has uh, uh, any remaining connection to its soul's past life. Oh, so, wow. A soul simply provides a building block that determines the genie's form and appearance as well as some carried over personality traits. Now, the fact that the soul determines some of the appearance makes me think, like, what if Jeff dies and then Jeff comes back as a genie? So it's just like genie Jeff. <laughs> That's Jeff. He ate dirt until he died and now he's an earth genie. <laughs> and like someone who knew Jeff in his past life sees new genie Jeff is like, Jeff? He's like, Jeff. Is no, that you? No, no. Do you have any dirt? <laughs> it is Jeff. It is Jeff. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. That's exactly what Jeff would say. <laughs> so, uh, Holy smokes. So yeah, uh, also some some personality traits. Still, despite looking humanoid physically, genies are nothing more than elemental spirit given sentience and form. They do not mate and have offspring with each other, although if one wishes it, they can mate with a mortal and produce a genasi. Oh, wow. Um, they oh, that's are, right. Yeah, they aren't born as infants that grow to adulthood. Um they don't require food or drink to live, and when they die, they leave no physical form behind. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. So like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, yeah, straight up. <laughs> so, though the four major genies are all very different in their own right, there are some characteristics that are shared amongst all genie kind. Uh, the first being that they all see themselves as born nobility who expect to be served by others and loathe and rail at the idea of being bound into service themselves. Yeah, for sure. That um, tracks. Yeah. Secondly, although the like the genie from Aladdin is totally bound to service. That yeah, sucks. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk a bit about that because binding genies into service is just a thing, apparently. <laughs> and they like, hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much because it's a real problem. It's a real actual problem. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh, man. Okay. Secondly, uh, genies are extremely susceptible to flattery, gifts, fawning, adoration and open worship they dig that shit yeah they're, Anything they're like chubby little ego. kings they're like chubby super little kings. into themselves well they're 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 not necessarily chubby actually most of them are physically beautiful yeah but, but they act like you know like they don't sure. lift a hand and stuff until oh well, yeah a lot of yeah. them are, are like that for sure uh thirdly whether good or evil all genies have a very alien mentality that makes understanding their behavior rather difficult um not quite blue orange morality level but frustrating to say the least okay yeah and then lastly, the various genies do not care for each other at all. None view others as allies, and many types of genies view the other types as outright enemies. There you go, man. They're chubby little kings. They're really territorial, yeah. and they don't like the other ones. They're and like, I deserve the worship and praise. I am the great genie. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, so all genies in general are powerful, but 1% of all genies are powerful on another level. And they're super genies? Super genies. They're called, they're, called, they're called noble genies. I didn't know we had super genies and in these, this game. These are the genies that are so powerful they have reality-altering abilities and can grant wishes. These genies are the infinity stones embodied. Indeed. So, you know, the, here are your three wish genies right here, the noble okay. genies. So, And each genie type has a noble genie type subtype, if you will. Okay, and cool. They they basically they're just bigger, badder, can do more, rule more territory, et cetera, et cetera. Other than that, there's not really a difference. Okay, cool. Like you said, super genies. They're super genies. So today we're, instinct. Today we're gonna be covering uh the four most prominent of genie kind, the ones tied to the four major elements of air, water, earth, and fire. Um the the genie or the Ginny, the Marids, the Dao, and the Afridi. There are other genie types that we'll be covered on another day, but not today. We don't have time for that shit. Oh, we're going to have genies part two? <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, we'll have genie, genie kin. 
Genie kid. <laughs> okay, sounds good. So um, let's start with uh, the genies of the element of air. Ooh, let's. Uh, the, the djinn. So the djinn are attractive, well-muscled, and beautiful humanoids that stand roughly 8 to 10 feet tall. They have blue skin and dark eyes, and they are known to dress in shimmering silks that are as much for comfort as for flaunting their aesthetic physique. Mm. Um, if any of genie kind could be said to be good, it would be the djinn who possess relatively benevolent minds and have a favor- favorable attitude towards mortal humanoids, if a somewhat mischievous mischievous one. So they like to play pranks, but they're not outright malevolent. Um, they are especially interested, of course, in beautiful humanoids. Um, so what, like they'll like rearrange your furniture like while you're gone? Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> cool. Your average Ginny is uh, obsessed with the sensual side of luxury. They delight. Oh in, yeah, they delight in rich foods, scents, and sensations, succulent fruits, ostentatious feasts, uh, fine perfumes, pungent wines, shimmering silks. Uh, all of these are their major interests. <laughs> I should have put my earmuffs on. <laughs> As such, creatures interested in delight, uh, Jin are the most likely of genie kind to take mortals to bed and produce genasi. Oh, man, that's dope. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. So, like, like a normal birth, just the genasi though. Um, or because I know that there's I, there's genasi origin with genies mm-hmm. like that is more expansive than that, right? Than the slow rate that that would. Like yes. create Genasi, which we talk about in the Genasi episode. So there's like, yes, I, I'm kind of that's, that was a long time ago, dude. It was a long time ago. So so basically, they give birth to lots of them, or there's like these special ones that get birth like individually, like one at a time, out of out of this congregation. Okay, I'm trying to understand what you're saying. So like, are these Genasi any different from? No, like, they're just Genasi. Okay, and they're not different from Genasi born from Genasi having children amongst each other, or from humanoids that end up getting infused and becoming Genasi that way. Okay, they're so, essentially all the same. They're just humanoids with elemental infused into their soul. Nice. Okay, so if you have a super genie that makes a baby, is it a super Genasi? I mean. Maybe canonically it could be, but like if we're talking about game mechanics, no. Okay, got it. Okay, so yeah. Uh, still, Jin are not all beauty and delight. They are known to be chaotic as the wind, and they wield power and fury. They wield the power and fury of whirlwinds and violent storms. They can fly, summon air, ele- uh, air, air elementals, elementals, and hurl lightning bolts. A Jinny's fury is a thing of violence and destruction. Some um, Zeus stuff. Yeah, kind of. Further muddying their ethical standing is their keeping of slaves. Now, whether the servants of a jinn are slaves or servants is up for a bit of debate. I would say still slavery, but it's definitely a shit ton different from the other genies, which we'll get into more extensively. But jinn view servitude as a matter of fate that no being great or small can deny. This is why of all genies, jinn are most uh, amenable to becoming servants themselves. Okay. Um, they just, they don't harbor ill will about it unless it's like forever. And then they're like, well, no. Okay. Because they don't even keep their slaves forever. Um, as such, genies see their servants as deserving of kindness, protection, and payment in decadent delights themselves. Those, those who serve them have almost always bargained to do so willingly and can convince their lord genie for freedom with sufficient reason and bribery. Oh, wow. So like slaves with benefits. Yeah, slaves with benefits. Okay. That's essentially what it this is. This sounds more like what indentured servitude was kind of like ideally supposed <laughs> to be, sort of. Kind of, maybe, not really. It's, did they agree? It's to, definitely to, different. Well, did they agree to being a servant? Uh, sometimes, not all the time, but okay. most of the time. 
time, it, it's a bargain deal. Yeah, then I'm with you. When this it's is, humanoids. Otherwise, like if it's elementals, then no, it's probably like they're forced. Okay, so we yeah. got subjugation. Welcome yes. back to this part of the show where we talk about subjugation. Indeed. Comes up a lot. A lot of evil lot. creatures out here in D&D. Yeah, or just like, well, this, Jinn aren't evil, are they? Mm, no, they tend to be chaotic good, but like I said, it's still a form I mean, of servitude that yes. is I, I, best morally gray. Um, that being said, they're not human. They don't think about these things the same, and they have the power of fucking gods. What are you going to do? Yeah, sure. The jinn rule the elemental plane of air from atop floating cloud islands, covered in enormous pavilions, enormous buildings, uh, courtyards, fountains, and gardens. The capital of their loosely hierarchical society is the Citadel of Ice and Steel, which is a chunk of ice and earth sculpted into an oval-like shape atop which sits a citadel. The fucking Fortress of Solitude. I guess so. The citadel is in a perpetual state of falling through the elemental uh, plane of air. But that's forever. And only the great caliph of the jinn has the ability to impose gravity here in this place. That's a sick power. (laughs) Indeed. It is pretty cool. (laughs) I impose the will of nature upon you. Indeed. Sick. The jinn do not care for the Marids, which are the water genies, um, mm. whom they see as arrogant, and they openly despise both Ifriti and Dao, who are fucking evil and they hate. Okay. So, uh, with that being said, uh, let's take a short rest. Let's do it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. 
Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the part of the episode where we are not talking about that last thing. No, we're not. No, Will. No, stop it. I see your... F- no, don't. We're when not did, talking about that. When did our love become so assertive? Oh, it's always... Mm, I don't know. This episode, I guess. Okay. But it is our love. Good guess. That's what we're talking about in this part of the show. We're also going to talk about video games and how we play them. And we, we have do. a YouTube channel where we host those recordings. Indeed, we do. It's called TDC Plays. Uh, the link will be in the description. And if you enjoy what we do here at the Dungeon Cast and you like to, the sound of our voices and our personalities, uh, you can hear those there at TDC Plays playing video games. Such watch as, me play Mega Man X. Indeed. Or watch uh, me and my sister Kiki play uh, Zelda Wind Waker HD. Watch us on Sundays <laughs> for Super Smash Sundays. Indeed. Or watch some of our older uh, playthroughs where we did a Pokemon Nuzlocke through Heart Gold. I just bought Star Fox 64. Oh, nice. Something is really wrong with Falco's G Diffuser. <laughs> for sure. I've never played uh, Star Fox 64. Well, maybe that's something we should do then. Uh, that sounds like a good time. Okay. With that being said, let's get back to the show. Bye. Returned. I'm going to do it again. <sighs> Die, Dr. Pepper. No, leave it in. Let's do this. <laughs> okay, we're back. We're back. Let's talk about water genies. Um, uh, yeah. Marids. Marids are the genies of the element of water and are said to be the most powerful and wondrous of all genies. Now, the most this is, wondrous genie? Um, yeah, because they have the most like mystical power. You described like Cloud City to me. And yeah, like all this crazy cool stuff. I guess stuff. shit's about to get crazier. It's now about to this pop is off. the hype is real. Canonically, they're the most powerful. Though in the monster manual, they're all identically powerful. Okay, because all genies need to breathe. So except for this genie, you can except breathe underwater. Actually, no genies have actually have to breathe at all. Oh, that's, that's right, you that's said that. Thing, yeah. Shoot. So, um, as such, it is said that they tower over other genies, standing sixteen to eighteen feet tall. Oh, they're uh, giant. They're giant. That's like yeah. hill giant. Indeed. Their physical description uh, varies depending on edition. In the first and second edition of D and D, mares are depicted as beautiful humanoids with pearl teeth and skin the various colors of the ocean and hair of uh, bluish black. Oh man! While underwater, uh, most mares of this uh, these editions wore no clothing, and on land they wore large pantaloons and flowing robes. <laughs> large pantaloons. They're very nice. <laughs> Indeed. The artwork for each successive edition, though, has added fish-like features to their appearance until we have reached 5e, where the Marids are depicted as almost grotesque-looking fish people, with scaly skin, fins on their face and arms, clawed hands, and needle-like teeth. Oh, wow. So take your pick. I personally, I like both, and it's very hard for me to decide. Because it's like, it's cool to have a variation between they all look how they all look, because otherwise, the water ones look a lot like the air ones, but like... They look really gross, and I'm not a fan of that. True. I mean, I, I do like the incorporation of, like, the fishy features. That's, like, on brand for me. Right. I, maybe they should, like, they should do, like, the pants, like, parachute pants, and then, like, the <clears throat> hair is up in a top knot, and, like, yeah. they have a wallet chain. Well, that's what the pantaloons are. They're the parachute pants that you're talking about. Okay. But I was, um, I was picturing I, the pants that are tight at the ankles and the waist, and they're, like, really billowy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, I'm talking about, like, bell-bottom style. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> well, ni- bad 90s pants. 
Sure. But <laughs> for me, I feel like they've gone a little too far with the fishy look because it looks so drastically different from any of the other genies. Oh, like but, it, like you, it's almost hard to tell it's a genie? Yeah, like you would have oh. no fucking idea. It just looks like a weird, grotesque fish person. But okay. anyways, um, while the djinn are obsessed with sensuality, Merids are obsessed with prestige. And you'll notice each genie has their own like luxurious obsession, if you oh, will. Oh, cool. Okay. So Merids have the reputation of being the most vehemently independent, proud, and pompous of the genies. Every Every one Merid believes that they themselves deserve the title of Padishah, which is the title of the technical ruler of all Merids. Um, they are largely unpredictable in nature as their moods shift as rapidly as the sea at storm. I love this hierarchy like that these creatures have in some of these, like the right. way dragons do, now genies. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So... <clears throat> All Merids see themselves as nobility and thus give themselves noble titles such as Shah, Sultan, etc. They uh, consider all non-Merids inferior to them uh, inherently, and mortals especially so. So a mortal dealing with a Merid will be expected to use ostentatious honorifics and odes to the Merid's greatness, Mm -hmm. or face wrath of a very, very angry (laughs) genie. Or face, or die. Or die. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I think insulting a Merid is a capital offense that will end in death. Sounds right. So Merids have little concerns or demands for their slaves, which they do have many of. Um, They keep them simply for the status of ownership. Again, it's all about prestige. Uh, Those that do go out of their way to enslave uh, do so for great artists and performers that they use in their courts. Again, a prestige type of thing. Like, look at, like, the great artists that serve me, yada, yada, yada. Okay. As I uh, said before, Merids are considered the most powerful of genies. Uh, they can inherently manipulate water in any way they desire. Oh, sick. This includes creating water from nothing and shaping both clouds and mist. Um, they can also turn themselves into mist if they so choose. Um, also, all genies can fly, so they can as well. And uh, they can create sea storms and are all powerful spellcasters. Oh, my God. And they, like, rise up out of the ocean in, like, a water tornado and yeah. just start, like, sending, like, ocean bullets at you. Exactly. Oh. That's exactly what a Merid could do. <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, Merids dwell on the elemental plane of water where they rule from independent fortresses made of coral and pearl. Oh, sick. Um, That's really cool. cool. Yeah. Officially, the Merids are all citizens of an empire and all owe fealty to the seat of power, uh, which is the citadel of a 10,000 pearls and its ruler, the great Padishah of the Merids. This is um, great. This yeah. is great lore. I, I love know. this. In truth, though, this empire is extremely loose with each Merid free to rule their own community as they will. Okay. Uh, one final personality trait attributed to Merids uh, that stems from their egotism is their propensity for long, embellished stories that they tell about themselves and all Merid kind. Mm. Uh, Merids tend to be fanciful exaggerators that lie often and very creatively. It's considered a capital offense to interrupt a Merid telling a tale. Oh, God, that's so annoying. <laughs> that's so very it, annoying. Any questions about the Merids? Uh, no, I don't have questions. I, well, like... I, I don't know. It's, it sounds great. Like the writers did a great job. Whoever created this particular part of the the, the mythos is like you're Good very job. on point. Yeah, kudos I like, to Brian. I like the merits. I like the genies in general. It was, it was fun doing the research for them. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Elemental Plane of Air is super cool. It's like on brand with like the way like genies reminded me of like Bahamut's Palace. The way they have their like cloud their cloud palace and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure Bahamut has relationships with certain genies for sure. Yeah, they all have a secret handshake. So let's move on to the Tao, who Mm. are genies of the element of Earth. Okay. And they are depicted as tall, muscular humanoids with characteristics that evoke their elemental nature, such as like dark, rocky skin and a burly, stocky physique. Okay. Um, Do they eat dirt? Uh, yes, kind of. They eat gemstones for <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, yes. Perfect. Um, yeah. They have a reputation for being uh, both greedy and malicious creatures with 
that are absolutely obsessed with wealth. So this is their obsession, wealth, wealth, wealth. Does it have monetary value? I want it. Okay. Uh, they adorn themselves with extravagant amounts of jewelry crafted from precious gemstones and rare metals. To a Dao, visible monetary value is paramount, as every Dao wishes to be the envy of every other Dao it meets. So they're wearing jewelry and stuff. Yeah, like to an extreme, insane degree. Yeah, they've got like two, as much as their body can bear. They've got at least several chains on. Exactly. And, well, never mind. I was going to spoilers for Game of Thrones, but never mind. Okay. Um, the Tao dwell in the elemental plane of Earth uh, in an immense complex of interconnected twisting tunnels and caverns known as the Great Dismal Delve. Here, Ooh. they drive their slaves tirelessly to mine out precious materials, expand their ever-growing maze works, build their ostentation palaces and cities, and serve them for their every waking moment. Oh, man. The yeah. slaves are doing the digging? Oh, yeah. The Daos are... Uh, it's hard to say which are worse between the Tao and the Euphrates, but like they are horrifying slave drivers. Oh man. You think they would just like onyx their way through like the mountainside. Well, they can, but like why, why would they? (laughs) Why wouldn't they? Because the genies, the genies uh, like feel like lifting the finger to do anything is below them. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. So, um, the Tao are without any form of empathy or compassion for others. They have no concern working mortals to death for their wants. Uh, the dangerous work Dao slaves are forced to do leads to countless deaths and causes the Dao to provide to need to provide and procure a never-ending supply of slaves. So they're just reckless about their resources. Absolutely, because they have no short of, of wealth to pay for new slaves. Right. Because they live in the element of the plane of Earth, which has all the gemstones in the world. Maybe you can like convince one to be a saver and like maybe you should treat us better because you wouldn't have to spend so much money. No, because a big part of them is uh, is about spending yeah, that money because okay. they they want it to be visible. I'm so rich it doesn't matter. I'm so rich it doesn't matter. That's a huge part of them. Like who uh, said you could come out of the mine? Yeah. When it comes to the Efridi, which we'll talk about later, because they're very evil, they're very devil like, mm. but they're actually kind of um, likely to grant wishes more so than like a Dow or a Merid because. Part of their mentality is, like, by granting a mortal a wish, it, like, brings great, like, prestige prestige and honor to themselves because the greatest wish of a mortal is something given freely and discarded freely without thought by uh, someone as mighty as a new freak. A pittance. Yeah, a pittance. And, like, it's, it's definitely a power play, if you will. Okay. So, back to Dao, though. So, uh, where was I? Um... The Tao view mortals as nothing more than potential slaves and will never lift a finger, finger to assist one unless there's wealth to be gained from it. Uh, when it comes to other genies, Tao despise both uh, the Jinn and the Marids. Euphredi, on the other hand, have a very strong trade agreement for the procurement of slaves and worked metals. So oh, wow, okay. Euphredi and the Tao work together. They don't like each other, but they're too valuable to each other to have open war. Um, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. The Tao, like all genies, have many inherent magical abilities, including shape-shifting, stone-shaping, summoning earth elementals, and the natural ability to cast a plethora of spells. Earth elementals are pretty strong, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, elementals in in general tend to be pretty powerful. Yeah. Extra planar beings in general. Yeah, just pretty fucking powerful. It's like CR7, something like that? Something like that. I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah, quite powerful. Pretty big. Okay. Um... All Dao owe their allegiance to the great Khan of the Dao, who dwells at the center of the Great Dismal Delve in a sprawling labyrinth known as the Sevenfold Maze Work. Um, we talked about this a lot more on the Elemental Plains episode. Yeah, that rang a bell for sure. But this is a magical city or citadel that's basically an enormous labyrinth, and it's enchanted in such a way to confuse all non-Dao who attempt to navigate it. 
even minotaurs are not immune to this. So even a minotaur <laughs> would get lost here. Which that's would probably how, deeply upset them. That's how you know it's bad when you pass like a minotaur skeleton in the, in this place. You're, and you're like, like oh, oh shit. god, I'm dead, I'm dead. <laughs> and I think uh, they do hold a fair amount of minotaur slaves too. Oh, they'll, they'll, it, they'll enslave anything because at least they're like okay at the maze. They're right. not gonna like get out of there. You need alive, them to be at least functional. Yeah, like you can go find them. They'll live longer in the maze. So any any questions about uh, Dow? No, that was cool. Yeah. They were cool. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Evil dirty slave boys. drivers. Yeah, Some dirty, dirty boys, boys, for sure. So let's talk about the Efreet, or the Efreeti, depending on how you want to pronounce it. I forget which one's plural and which one's uh, singular. Efreeti is probably, well, I don't want to say. Yeah, but the Efreet, or Efreeti, are genies of the element of fire, and they have a reputation for cruelty and tyranny. Um, they're depicted as hulking 12-foot-tall humanoids with red or black skin. They're well-muscled and massive in bulk. And they have a very devilish look to them due to their usually red skin and the horns protruding from their heads. Okay. So, um, also, much like devils, Afridi are lawful evil, both renowned for their ruthless cruelty and their strict orderly society. This orderly context is a byproduct of their genie obsession, which is conquest and ruling. So much like all the other genies, Efridi see themselves as nobility, but unlike Jin, who revel in decadence, Marids, who squabble over prestige, and Dao, who are obsessed with amassing wealth, the Efridi take pleasure in the active ruling of their subjects and find more subsequent and finding more subsequent subjects to rule. So they just want to impose themselves. Yeah, it's about like like they are nobility and nobility rules. So that's what they're about. And they this is want my to right. rule. It's okay. their right. Yeah. And there's a lot like devil, devil elemental plane of fire stuff is just like congealed together, huh? It's like there's, aren't there a yeah, lot they're of devils definitely, that, like, they're, 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 they're closely related in that like they deal with each other a lot because they're so alike. Okay. Yeah. That, so there's yeah. a lot of devils that live or come to the city of brass, which exists in the elemental plane of fire. Cool. And there's, they have a lot of deals with the Efridi. So where was I? Excuse me. The Efridi view all others as potential subjects to be oppressed. Uh, they organize their militaries to invade other planes for more slaves. Wow. These slaves they rule as oppressive tyrants, only promoting the cruelest amongst their slaves. Uh, these of which they turn into overseers and give them whips to help keep the rank and file slaves in line. Oh, dang. So they turn the slaves on each other. Yeah. Efreeti are also known for the great ability to beguile and deceive. They use their silver tongues as often as their strength of arm and magic to get what they want. Again, very devil-like. Um, as masters of flame, Efreeti are immune to fire's heat, and they can create it on a whim. They can summon fire elementals, hurl powerful fire magic, and utilize their fire control for famed and extraordinary weapon in armor smithing. Which is another reason why the Dao and them have such a big trade agreement, because Efreeti make the best weapons. Okay. Um, all Efreeti owe their allegiance to the great sultan of the Efreet. He dwells within the charcoal palace in the fabled city of Brass, the epicenter of Efreet culture and society. We talked about the city of Brass a lot in the plane, uh, the elemental plane episode. So go check out that episode if you want that info. Uh, I should really go back and check out that episode. I, I love that lore. The elemental yeah, the elemental plane, is so plane cool. stuff is fun. Yeah, this uh, is the, a good expansion on that. The Efreeti despise both Jin and Marids, and they tolerate Dao due to, again, their trade agreement. So any questions about any of genie kind? I want to know who's winning in the fight, just straight up. No armies, no <sighs> no armies, just no one rocks, on one. just like um, well, ethereal plane. In the five e in the five e monster manual, it's a pretty even match because they're all challenge rating eleven with very similar abilities. I don't have their stat blocks on me right now because I'm not reading four stat blocks 
on a single episode. No. That's annoying. That's bad. <laughs> bad audio. Um, so one thing I wanted to talk a little bit about is this is where we get into I want more Warlock packs. <laughs> yes. Okay, we should probably should have talked about it last episode with the bron- um, Bronze Dragon. Yeah, sure. Because dragons, we, but we've kind of talked about how dragons should be able to be warlock patrons we when have, they're ancient. But, but this is a great, like, I think we've mentioned this too. Yeah. Genie is a great candidate for that. I, I really think there should be an elemental pact for the warlock. And also, I think there should be uh, just a general uh, a genie or elemental bloodline one for the sorcerer. A warlock totally adds up, and like the, I like the, I, I think more bloodlines for sorcerers would be great. Too. Yeah, like, and it's just because both of these things have been available in all past editions of D anD D that included warlock and sorcerer. Yeah. So, um, I just want Wait, it because can, I like the idea of uh, specializing in a specific element, anyways. So, like, this is a fun way to do it, and uh, yeah, it just, I just wish it was more built into the rules because I don't want to have to homebrew this. I want to be able to be like, yeah, I'm going to take the genie. Uh, Warlock Path, or I'm going to take the Genie Bloodline. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of great elemental magic, so an expended spell list for Warlock in any element would be super viable, I think. Yeah. And even yeah. If, if you're going to create source material well, to, one, to... Here's one like easy thing. Let's say you have a, a Genie Warlock Pact. Um, whatever, whichever Genie type you pick, your Eldritch Blast now becomes that type of damage. So like oh, cool. cold or fire or um, I guess you could do force or bludgeoning, I suppose, for... Uh, the earth one, I'm not sure. I'm sure you can work something out there, uh, and then uh, rock damage is bludgeoning damage. So yeah, oh, okay, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, I just think that would be pretty fucking that, sweet. That's just the only. It would be sweet. It it would bother me though because it isn't consistent with the rest of like the like maybe as an expanded uh, invocation. Maybe not like automatically when you take okay, the path. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think that's a, a fair assumption. I mean, you could kind of already do that, I think, with uh, some of uh, the invocations from Xanathar's Guide. I think there might be a one to turn Eldritch Bolt into fire or something like that. Maybe. I don't know. I've read a lot of them for my character on our other show, but I, I don't think, I don't know if that's one of them. That doesn't yeah, I'm not sure. sound super familiar, but yeah. I think it would be a great idea. If you're going to, if you're going to put the resources forth to expand in the source material for this sort of thing, mm-hmm. that's something you could easily add in to make it like, Hey, we got like additional warlock packs. It's a super popular class. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like why not? I mean for sorcerers too, I think they really do need extra bloodline stuff and this would be a great yeah. way to incorporate them in like, I like, mean, I, I think they have the Phoenix one. I'm not sure if that one's official or not. And they technically have the Storm one. So, like, you do have stuff to work with. It's sure. just some of these just seem so obvious. It's like, why isn't this a thing yet? And this is one of those things to me personally. So you're telling me on past editions you were able to do this sort of thing? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, wow. Like what? Like fourth edition, I guess? Yeah, fourth edition and third. Yeah. So, so you would be like a, a warlock with an earth Mm-hmm. You you could take an elemental pack. Uh, wow, in, uh, that's so cool! It was Heroes of the Elemental Chaos was the source book for that in Forty. So at yeah. least there is some source material, even if it's from a previous edition. That right. if you want to homebrew something, you have something to build on. True. Yeah. Well, that's, that's true. not so bad. But really, how long? They must be playing the a real long game with Five E. Yeah, it's they like, must be. Kind of yeah. like this is something like. I feel like if you are hurting in sales, that is something you could definitely throw out. Yeah, they get. definitely got a lot of things that they can fall back on if they decide they're hurting in sales. That's yeah. for sure. I don't think they are. No, and I don't think they are. Yeah. Either. And with that being said, uh, I think we can get ready for our long rest. Um, yes. I think we'll we'll go right. ahead and pump Super Quest Saga again. The, yeah. Uh, the show where we hear the dungeon guests sit around the table and play some Dungeons and Dragons, but specifically space sci-fi adventure Dungeons space. and Dragons with laser pistols, evil elven empires, uh, strange goblin technology, and a bunch of other uh, futuristic bullshit. One, and it's a lot of fun. One, and only one half orc. 
Yeah, the, <laughs> the only half orc because the orcs were wiped out twenty thousand years ago. Only and every episode, or actually eighty thousand years ago. Sorry, every episode My past our first episode, there's only one half orc. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> in the first episode, there's lots of half-orcs. there's lots of half orcs. Yeah, because Somewhere. you guys are Not time displaced. You guys are from the original like. D&D campaign, vanilla setting of like medieval, what whatnot, and then you got displaced 100,000 years into the future. Yeah, I think it was called Vanilla World, right? Sure. We'll go with <laughs> Vanilla World. Yeah. That's the name of my setting. Vanilla World. Vanilla World. Yeah, let's call it a game. Okay. <laughs> I'll talk Bye. to you guys later. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.